This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm Kevin McKenzie, your host, and uh, very excited to be talking about a pretty cool topic today, ethical dog breeding and purchasing. And this week we're actually recording by Skype, my very first Skype Animals Voice podcast. I'm very excited, but if you're wondering if the sound is a bit different than normal, that's why. I'm uh, joined by two special guests this week. We've got Valina Pope, dog breeder, co-owner of Starstruck Labradors. Hi, Valina. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on today. We're happy to have you. And uh, we're also joined by Dr. Andy Mencarelli, owner of Didsbury Veterinary Services. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing quite well, thank you. So let's uh, start off. Valina, I'm going to ask you a question first. How long have you been involved in dog breeding? Well, I worked actually personally with a mentor for uh, just over two years, and my husband and I have been breeding ourselves for just over five now. Okay, excellent. And Andy, how about you? How long have you been a vet? Um, I've been uh, in Disbury since 1998, so this is my 16th year, and it's, uh, it's a mixed animal practice. Certainly over half of our business is small animals. Nice. Okay. So let's talk about pet breeding. What what characterizes uh, responsible pet breeding? Well, I'll begin with uh, saying, well, particularly to our listeners, there's so many things that go into responsible pet breeding. An easy way to remember it are the three E's that make up a breeder, if you will. Um, that is educated, evaluated, and ethical. An educated breeder is not breeding on a whim. That educated breeder spends time and money in education and preparation prior to breeding. An evaluated uh, breeder has a certificate from either a veterinarian, humane society, or a similar organization um, proving that they have been uh, evaluated, they've been inspected. Um, and an ethical breeder, now that there's a million things that fit into there, but um, I'd like to concentrate on, on, um, on ethical housing of the animals, proper nutrition given to the animals, proper health care given to the animals, health testing done on the parents of, uh, of, of their breeding program, and a written warranty along with a written return policy. Wow. Okay. And Andy, do you have anything to add to that? I agree with uh, all of the above. And you know, we wouldn't be here if, uh, if, if these guys didn't fall into that category. And not everyone does, quite honestly. Right. Um, so no, no, she's quite right. Um, and there's a few things that we'll get to throughout the interview that, uh, that will cover some of these topics. But yeah, in short, it, she's right. I agree. Okay, excellent. Now, I'm sitting at home listening and I'm interested in becoming a dog breeder. Um, where do I get started? Uh, well, for me personally, like I said, I, I, I did work with a mentor for two years. And even that, um, if I did it over again, I'd probably spend another year on top of that. First and foremost, anyone who wants to become a dog breeder um, should uh, get themselves some education, uh, particularly about that breed, that species, um, and some practical experience. It's not a part-time job. It's an all-consuming kind of lifestyle being a ethical breeder. And believe it or not, um, anyone who's out there listening thinking, hey, I'll breed my dog, make a quick buck, it'll be fun, everybody will want one of her puppies. Um, believe it or not, it actually costs more than you will ever see back in the first three to five years. So wow. if you want to get into dog breeding, we actually saved up over or, or between five or 50 to $100,000 before we even obtained our first breeding dog. Okay, wow. I, I had no idea. 
And is there an inspection? I mean, uh, you know, do breeders have to go through an inspection before they become breeders or certified to be breeders? Sadly, no, not at all. Um, and that's why we, we find ourselves in the, in the place we are um, right now with so many um, unwanted dogs in, in, in shelters and so on and so forth. Without an inspection, um, anyone can breed anything. Um, they can sell them anywhere, uh, online, in the paper, at a flea market. Um, there are no laws in place in this country, to my knowledge, that control who and who does not breed. Only the consumer, only our listeners, can prevent bad breeders from continuing breeding by demanding better standards. She's quite right. Um, there, are, you know, unless you know, unless there's a humane issue um, where the SPCA needs to be called out, there's really not a formal inspection process. Wow. It sounds like a, an area that you have to be very, you know, you always hear buyer beware, but it certainly sounds as though that's the case when it comes to pet breeders. Oh, totally. So, are, are, you know, before a pet breeder uh, sells an animal to somebody and allows you to adopt there, are, are those animals tested for various health issues? They certainly should be, but I'm afraid to say that uh, not, uh, not many breeders do this and they don't have to do it. It's actually quite expensive to perform genetic health testing on your breeding stock. So in order to cut corners and save costs, many breeders do not do this and they're not even aware of the test they should be doing. In fact, in every breed, I'd say there are five to 10, Andy, five to 10 different genetic conditions. Oh, easily. I mean, how, depending on how deeply you want to delve into it. For, for our breed, we do hips, elbows, eyes, hearts, and then we do DNA, like uh, CSI cheek swabbing, for um, a plethora of 100% uh, um, preventable genetic diseases in our dogs. This is something the consumer has to demand to see from a breeder. So if I go to a pet breeder, are, are there some red flags I can look for that'll tip me off that maybe I'm going into an area that isn't as reputable as I want to be? I always tell people, like, if you're, you know, if you're um, iffy about um, buying from this person and, and you're asking my advice, you shouldn't, you really don't even need my advice. Don't do it. I mean, it, if you're not, if you're not comfortable with how they're presenting themselves and, and you know, it, it should be obvious. It should be their, their demeanor, their, um, their honesty. And I think what Valina is looking for is they should have a passion about these animals, whether they're purebred or not, you should, uh, you know, you should love animals or, or love your, you know, this particularly your animals. You should, that should be obvious to me. It's obvious right away. Are there other, I mean, Valina talked about the investment and, you know, she kind of threw some numbers out there that I had no idea about, and I, you know, not shocking, but certainly surprising to me uh, from a veterinarian's perspective. Um, do you have advice that you give to someone, you know, you've talked about that obviously they need to love these animals, like for the breeder though, what advice do you give to someone thinking of becoming a breeder? You know, don't do it thinking you're going to make a bunch of money. I don't think that that's, you know, I don't think that that's, uh, the appropriate way to do it. You got to really, you know, you got to really enjoy it, love it. And if it becomes your, if it becomes your, your full-time job, it certainly can be, um, you can certainly make an income from it. Absolutely. But it's like, you are married to this thing and you're busy and it's, you know, you've got to have a close relationship with your vet. You've got to, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be doing it for the right reasons. You've got to, you've got to want to improve the, the breed or the, the animal that you're producing. You know, it's not just about money, even beef cow breeders, right? You don't, people don't 
people don't usually do that overnight, right? They, they grow up with it. They, you know, they learn it from the, from generation to generation. Then they kind of take over. They, they learn it slowly. And so to jump into something with very little training, it, it isn't, it doesn't really make sense. I want to ask a question about, um, you know, obviously people talk about puppies, uh, animals, I mean, dogs, I should say, are, uh, the most common, I think, animal that I hear of when I think of, uh, breeders, um, for puppies, what is the minimum care that a puppy should receive before being sold by a breeder? For for me, they should be dewormed and they should have their first set of shots. And I, I would like to chip in and say um, a, a warning to consumers is, although it's important to ensure you're buying a healthy puppy, more importantly, find where that puppy came from. Go see its parents, its aunties, its uncles. Go see where it was born. Um if you put too much focus on the presentation of a puppy, you could fall a slippery slope and be fooled. Um, because even even a puppy mill, they can throw the puppy in a bathtub, spruce it up, dry it off, throw a ribbon around its neck, and 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 put it on a on a lawn to present to you. So yeah, okay. true, totally. Um, so I mean, you've talked a lot about uh, you know educate, evaluate, ethical, the three E's. You've taught me about, and and some of what you're talking to me about sounds like. Uh, they're pieces of common sense that people should be applying to all of their life, but they should be definitely applying it to when they are choosing uh, their animal and where to get that animal from. Um, should are, are there things you haven't mentioned yet that you're definitely wanting to share today in terms of what pet purchasers should be looking for when purchasing a pet? When people are coming to look for puppies, we, we um, put them through an application process they have to prove themselves a proper home to, to take home a puppy or a dog. We have a written warranty and a written return policy, both of which offer um, financial, financial compensation uh, to the purchaser if their dog is to fall ill at, um, um, with a condition that we as breeders could have prevented, or um, if they can no longer care for the dog, um, despite their best intentions, they can no longer care for their dog, circumstance wouldn't let it, we will pay to have one of our dogs return to us so it never, never sits alone in a shelter. I really appreciate you throwing that in there because I actually intended to ask you about a return policy and, and whether pet breeders have or should have a, a return policy. Absolutely. That is um, the single most important thing that sets aside ethical breeders from unethical breeders in, in that respect at least. Any old breeder can produce puppies, sell them out, and bid them goodbye and farewell and wish them the best. But um, I've, I've seen from personal experience um, or from our clients, things happen. A baby's born with allergies. Um, um, people go their separate ways. People pass away and can no longer care for the pet, of course. And and where is that pet going to end up but in a shelter with no one to care for it? As, a, as an ethical breeder, it would break my heart to see one of my little babies all grown up and in a shelter uh, where where it, uh, it could be um, looked over again and again. So I would even offer financial incentive, even the full purchase price returned to have my puppy back at home safe with me. Nice. Uh, now, Andy, as a vet, do you have like a database or is it more grassroots Rolodex where you just know of ethical dog breeders that you refer people to? So someone walks in, are you able to, to help people find ethical dog breeders? Oh yeah, we would um, routinely refer people to um, to Starstruck, um, people that we have a good relationship with, and that's not, you know, this because we know them. We can't recommend someone we don't know anything about. 
Excellent. Any last advice for our listeners before they go out and uh, buy a pet from a pet breeder? First and foremost, I mean, really feel that the power is in your hands. To those listening, the power is in your hands to change um, the way pets are produced today. Um, If consumers united in demanding ethical standards, as we've outlined in this conversation for all breeders to abide by, shelters would sit empty. Our pets could live longer and healthier lives, and unethical breeders, large or small, would be a thing of the past. Excellent. And and anything from you, Andy? Definitely, the breed that you want, you know, make it suit your lifestyle. Make it um, if you're if you're a very active person, then then an active dog makes sense. And when you and when you meet a breeder, you you will know. Just 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 buy everywhere if they seem ethical and in, in their actions and the way that they the way that they present themselves in their kennel, I mean, it, it's, it's quite obvious if they're passionate about their particular animals. So that, that's, it's quite simple. Excellent. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for your time. Valina Pope from Starstruck Labradors, Dr. Andy Mencarelli from Didsbury Veterinary Services. And uh, we really appreciate it. A unique interview this week on Animals Voice Podcast. We're doing this by Skype, uh, utilizing the internet's technology very exciting uh but if any of our listeners are wondering if uh, the sound sounds a little different than usual we were actually talking across canada on skype so valina and uh, andy thank you so much well thank you for having us thank you guys i also want to make a uh, mention of, of some other people that have been helping us uh we've been very lucky lately we're getting some people that are helping us out by sharing our broadcasts and our podcasts so uh Edie the pug our friends at Fur Blogs, Stevens Veterinary, uh, Canadian Pet Exchange, uh, and also to my uh, producer, Katie Leonard. Thank you so much for all your help. Please tune in again, and if you've got show ideas, I would love to hear from you. What topics would you like covered? I'm uh, reachable by email, K-M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. That's McKenzie at ospca.on.ca. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.